You know, nothing gives an old man like me joy at seeing the next generation. In fact, as I was thinking about it, next generation is probably the next two or three generations for me. But to see these young people uh, with all that's going on in our world, desiring to go away to a camp and hearing about Jesus, singing about Jesus, being thrilled by the fellowship and the relationships they can have with one another. That is wonderful. And that's God's grace. And um, I encourage you parents. I, I trust some of you who are parents here this morning would be really blessed by what you, you witnessed this morning. Because I know in our homes, we don't always see everything that's going on in our, in our children. You know, we, but when you stand, or sit there and you hear their testimony this morning, it's just a joy. So again, I want to add my thanks to, to all of you who served last week and my friend Matt. There are many things in life that uh, may disappoint us. We sometimes go through lives a bit disappointed with one another. We're disappointed perhaps in, in our family relationships, perhaps even in the church. Over the years, I've heard people say to me, they were disappointed in their Christian life. It hasn't quite been what they expected. <clears throat> you see, the problem is they were disappointed because they had the wrong expectation. And so often we get disappointed because we have the wrong expectation. I wonder what did you expect when you became a Christian? When you heard the gospel, when you, you decided to give your life to Jesus, what did you expect? What was your expectation? And there are many things we can draw out from Scripture that uh, we can expect. But in Romans 14, when the Apostle Paul was dealing with issues of, of, of religious observances over food in the church, he makes this statement. He says, The kingdom of heaven is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Three main elements there stating what we can expect as Christians. Those of us who are trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ, in the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, can expect these three things. A Christian is someone, someone who's given their life to Jesus, someone who's now clothed in the righteousness of Christ. They're clothed in the righteousness of Christ. They experience peace with God. There may be situations that disturb our peace, but we have a peace with God. We've had, we now have a settled relationship with God. We're now his. He's our father. We've been singing about that this morning. And they also will have a joy, a joy that is settled deep in our hearts. Those three things we can expect. Those three things, because that's the kingdom of God. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Joy is the experience of every Christian. It is a deep, profound joy. It's not a joy that necessarily always puts on a smiley, smiley face, but it's a deep, profound joy. The trouble is, for some Christians, the joy is so deep, nobody ever sees it because it's kind of so deep in there. I've got the joy. We sing a song years ago. I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. Well, we want to see it. 
Well, I see it, at least sometimes. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones made this statement in his book, Joy Unspeakable. I am certain that the world outside is not going to pay much attention to all the organised efforts of the Christian church. The one thing she will pay attention to is a body of people filled with this spirit of rejoicing. This is how Christianity conquered the ancient world. It was an amazing joy of these people. Even when you threw them into prison or even into death, it did not matter. They went on rejoicing, rejoicing in tribulations. Joy was a defining characteristic of the early church. There should be no difference in the Church of Christ today. Despite suffering and hardships, they still kept their joy. I think I mentioned recently, but for those of you who weren't here, Matt, Matt and I had the privilege of being in Poland. And we were pastors and pastors' wives. Some of them couldn't get back into their country, Belarus. Some of them uh, would, would be fearful each day of somebody knocking on their door and taking them off. But the one overwhelming thing, I know Matt would agree, was the joy, the joy that these folks were experiencing, even with all of what was taking place. I couldn't even imagine. Matt, Matt and I didn't want to share out what, what was going on in our lives. It kind of seemed too, a bit too paltry or, you know, don't complain when we're listening to these guys. It was, the, the joy was profound through the tears. Yes, there were tears. Yes, there were expressions of, of uh, persecution and hardship, but there was great joy. And this morning in our study of Psalms, that's what we're doing over this August period, I want us to turn to Psalm 149. Sorry. This morning, it's, it's a psalm that addresses us as the people of God to live a, joy, a life of joyful praise and in particular to praise God with joyful singing. Might be a challenge to some of us in this room this morning. But joyful singing. Doesn't necessarily need to be melodic, but it's joyful. So let's read Psalm 149, starting at verse 1. Above, your, above the verse 1, it's probably in your Bible, say, sing to the Lord a new song. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. His praise in the assembly of the godly. Let Israel be glad in his maker. Let the children of Zion rejoice in their king. Let them praise his name with dancing. Make him melody to him with tambourine and lyre. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He adorns the humble with salvation. Let the godly exalt in glory. Let them sing for joy on their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their throats and two-edged swords in their hands to execute vengeance on the nations and punishments on the peoples, to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron, to ex execute on them the judgment written. This is honour for all his godly ones. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. This psalm is divided into two parts, one to five and six to nine. And both parts give reasons to praise God. But this morning, we're just going to look at one to five. This psalm is a psalm of triumph in the God of Israel and over the enemies of Israel. It calls to the people of Israel to praise God in music, in dance, because he has chosen his people and helped them to victory. 
As I said in your Bible, this psalm is entitled, Sing to the Lord a New Song. This psalm is emphasising singing and songs as a context for praise. It's not the only context for praise we see in scriptures, but it is probably the most significant one. I just have three very simple points this morning. Why should we sing? How should we sing? And what motivates our singing? Why should we sing? Well, simply because we're commanded to. We're commanded to sing. God speaks to children through the psalmist with a command to praise and to do that through the medium of song. This is not a good idea or a suggestion or a request to liven up our services with lively singing that will attract people, especially the youth. We've just seen on the video, our youth are not just attracted to lively singing. They're attracted to the truth of what they're singing about. And that's the truth of us this morning. I wonder, do we see this psalm, this command in the same way as receive other commands in the Bible? We're commanded to praise, to sing. There's a, let us, let us do this. Do we think it's a take it or leave it command or it is only for those with good voices, which will rule, rule many of us out, um, or those who are a bit extrovert? No, I was thinking of me, actually. For some of us, it may be more of a noise than a melodic singing, but... I'm just encouraged, but elsewhere in Scripture, the Scripture says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. So I'm still making noises. I trust they're joyful. It's a command, the only qualification that you are, as it says in verse 2, a child of the king. Let Israel be glad in his maker. Let the children of Zion. Who are the children of Zion? Us. This morning, that's us. Let the children of Zion rejoice in their king. We sing because singing is one of the major means of praising God. And you know, singing, singing, singing songs of praise, singing songs of thanksgiving will affect our joy. I love this from Paul Tripp. Paul Tripp, I was listening to a, 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 a discussion the other day and Paul Tripp just dropped this into the discussion. He said, gratitude is the soil that joy grows in want to grow in your joy, be more grateful. Be constantly grateful. In all things, Paul says, give thanks in all circumstances. And songs of praise, songs of praise. What's praise? It's thanking God. It's saying, thank you, Lord. You may not even feel like it. June brings me a cup of tea. And whether I feel like it or not, I say thank you. I haven't got to have good feelings towards her. Thank you. She's done something for me. She does many other things and serve a cup of tea but it's just one of the wonderful things that she does it's not necessarily about my feelings it's about what I know and so I praise God and I give thanks to him because that's what praise is and it's the soil as Paul Tripp says the joy grows in joy is linked to singing so much in the scriptures Singing is an expression of joy. When people are happy, they sing at sports fixtures, in the showers, times of celebration. People sing. There's possibly some people in our country, 20 past 11, who are now singing because England are in the lead in the World Cup. I don't know. I don't know that, brother. I'm not record. But we sing for joy. I was, Rachel, my daughter, she bought me tickets to go and see my 
football club, Queen's Park Rangers at Cardiff, and we were sitting in the Cardiff stand. But when QPR scored, it didn't affect me who was around. I nearly lynched afterwards, but I just stood up and said, wow! Because I was in the Cardiff end. It's, it's an expression of joy. Singing, we sing, we, we celebrate. And so many songs are written, aren't they, about people in love and, it, and expressing that love. And the book of Psalms is a book of songs full of praises to God. They are songs expressing their gratitude and their love for God. And it says here, let them praise him. The Lord takes pleasure. We'll just find um, what, what the scripture is. It said, not only, verse one, sing to the Lord. Sing to the Lord in the assembly of the godly. Our songs, our songs are to him. It's not just singing about him. We're singing to him. We're singing to the Lord. But in verse 5, it tells us that it's not just in the assembly of the godly. It's also on our beds. Now, let's just be clear. It's not, it means when we're resting. Because on your beds, and if you're asleep, it's difficult to sing. Most of us. I have, I have a daughter who used to speak a lot in the sleep. Uh, I'm not sure about singing, but it's difficult to sing. But what, it, what Psalmist is saying is wherever you are, sing, sing. The Psalmist says it's to be a new song. And that, what does that mean? Does that mean we're going to have a new song every week? Does that mean every time we come together? No, it's not. A, it's a new song in our hearts. It's a fresh love. It's a fresh joy, it's a fresh experience in God. Fresh adoration, fresh awareness of our salvation, generating fresh praise in our hearts. And when we gather together each Sunday morning, the psalmist says elsewhere, enter his courts with thanksgiving. We come this morning, the first thing is we enter his courts with thanksgiving. We have so much to thank God for. You know, in our office, and Karen's not here, but, you know, most, most mornings come in the office, how are you doing? My response, and you know it, better than I deserve. Every one of us who've come here this morning are doing better than we deserve. We deserve to be, experience death because of our sin, but we don't. We're getting so much better than we deserve. Enter his courts with thanksgiving. It's not about what we feel this morning. We can just, even if you don't, even if you feel cold, come and say thank you. Come and give praise. Come and enter into these songs and sing. Sing because of who God is and what he's done for us. That he's given each of us a new heart and a new destiny. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that incredible? We sing a song, don't we? And it's just come to mind now. Uh, the God of heaven lives in us. I can't remember these exact words. But what a truth. Every time we sing that, I think, wow. God of heaven lives in you and me if we're Christian. Verse 2 says, let Israel be glad in his maker. Let the children of Zion rejoice in their king. Here we see the twin truths of who God is. He is our maker. He is our creator God. Let Israel be glad in his maker, let the children of Zion 
rejoice in their king. He's not only our creator, but he's also, for those of us who are Christian, he has become our father and we are his children. God is our creator. God is our father. God is our generous king. And these truths are reasons why we praise God through singing. God is worthy of our heartfelt praise and joyful singing because of who he is and what he's done for us. Which leads us to the second point, how should we sing? Well, I think as we look at these, these verses, we should sing with passion, with expression, with intensity, with zeal, and with emotion, and with joy. The thrust of this psalm is that the people of God should express their praise to God with great passion, with intensity, zeal, and with great joy. Be glad. Verse 2 says, be glad in the Lord. Rejoice in the King. Verse 3, praise him with dancing, tambourine and lyre. Well, we had something similar to a lyre this morning. It's a guitar, it's a stringed instrument, isn't it? And Katie was bashing away on the kind of whatever it is. <laughs> Didn't see anybody dancing. I looked across to the mat, I thought, maybe, maybe you'll dance this morning. But, but it's expressions of joy. When we go somewhere that's fun and whatever, we, we dance, don't we? Or some of us dance in some form. I saw a video of some dancing at camp last week. Well, they said it was dancing. I'm not, not kind of sure what it was. But it was an expression of fun and joy. Verse 5 says, exult, rejoice in God's glory and sing for joy. These are all expressions that reflect passion, expressions of joyful celebration. These, these expressions don't suggest to us one of apathy, one of formality in worship. Boy, we can become so formal, so formal. Not people just standing around with Hands in their pockets or looking around, yawning, looking bored and uninterested. Of course, that's not you, guys. That's another church. No, our singing should express joy, passionate praise, expression, dance, movement. You know, there are seven different Hebrew words in the Bible for praise. The Hebrew word here in this verse is halal, which means to celebrate. To make a show, not of yourself, but in one that you're praising. And this, I love in the, this is another meaning of this word praise here. To be clamorously foolish. To be clamorously foolish. You want to be clamorously foolish this morning? This is not an excuse for exhibitionists. Remember our praises unto the Lord. Not look at me and see how passionate I am, but it is for uninhibited praise to our God. When the Israelites were delivered from the Egyptians, Miriam, Moses' sister, danced and celebrated with joy. When the children of Israel brought the ark back to Jerusalem, the children of Israel, including King David, 
dance with all his might, so much so that his, his wife, Michelle, was so embarrassed at his display of emotion that she despised him. David was overjoyed that true worship with the ark coming back to Jerusalem was being restored, so much so that he danced before God with abandonment. Isaiah 12, verse 3 says this, With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation, and you will say in that day, Give thanks to the Lord. Those of us who've drawn water from the wells of salvation, those of us who know what it is to have the Holy Spirit living and dwelling with us, within us, are to give thanks. Give thanks to the Lord. So if that's the case, that's being the case, what holds us back? We're feeling embarrassed. I said earlier, we're not often embarrassed at sports fixtures. I've seen you. I've seen some... some um, Video of camp. They certainly weren't embarrassed there. We could be embarrassed. We could be so bound by tradition, which is not always good. We can feel on Sunday morning, well, if I raise my hand, especially if I'm standing next to my wife, she's going to think I'm a hypocrite. Have you noticed, on those of you who have children, have you noticed Sunday morning before the meeting is the time that Things seem to happen. Arguments. The kids won't do as they're told. Your husband won't do as he's told, or your wife, but whatever. It's all kind of, it all gets a bit... Why is that? I spoke to people, many, many people. They've all expressed that. Why do you think that is? It's because there's a war going on. There's somebody who wants to ruin you before you get here. There's somebody who wants to put you in a place that you're going to feel inhibited. And you know, sometimes our praise should be the most expressive when we've understood afresh in the week just how sinful we are. So it's not something to hold us back. It's not I'm raising my hands to, and I'm not suggesting you just raise your hands and that's it, but it's not raising my hands because I think I deserve, I'm worthy of his praise. I'm not. He's worthy of my praise. My sin shows me just how wonderful God's grace is to me. And so that's what motivates me. And that's what should motivate us. So, so don't, don't worry. Worry about what happened before you came in. If you had a row with your spouse, then just set it right. Come in and worship. But don't let that rob you of praising God. And you will find as you do that, things will get sorted out in your marriage relationship. Tired, another reason to hold us back, tired, weary. Oh, just about got here this morning. Glad it was half past 10. If it had been half past nine, I don't know whether I'd have made it. Prepare for Sunday. We said the other week, as, as John Newton said, Sunday is the best day. I talked to Karen in the week and she said to me, you know you said the other day Sunday is the best day. She said, why didn't everybody else shout out, yes? <laughs> I hadn't thought about it. But it is. It's the best day. 
And so we should build our week around Sunday to ensure that we're not up late Saturday night. So we're barely sort of staggering in. If you, I hear people talk about preparing for exams and preparing for things that they, they go to bed early. Why not go to bed early? Whatever early is. June and I, it's getting earlier and earlier and earlier. Well, it's not getting up. Uh, you know, it's, 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 but, but go to bed early. Prepare yourself for Sunday. A lack of joy. If there's a lack of joy, then spend time in the Word. Meditate on Romans 8. Remind yourself of these great truths about your salvation. Look into Ephesians 1 to 3 and stop there. Stop there before you go on to how you're to live. Look at what Christ has done for you. Look what God has done for you. Ensuring you're getting biblical fellowship, not just socialising. Go to God in prayer and confess your coldness. In expressing ourselves passionately in praise, I'm not suggesting a particular form or methodology. I'm not saying that the scriptures inform us um, that we should raise our hands here and uh, kneel here, dance here. A friend of mine used to say, you can, you can know what a charismatic church is because it's hands down for coffee. It's not just about having our hands up, some of you may understand, but it's, it's, it's not just doing this in this form. It it's, it's, includes singing, shouting, clapping, dancing, kneeling, raising hands and celebrating with joyful instruments. I used to kneel, I can't anymore because I can't get back up. So it's these, it doesn't matter what the expression is. It's expressive. It's not static. It's not just standing there. It's express, expressive. The command given to us in this, in this psalm is riddled with expressions of joy, praise, gladness, rejoicing, praise, sing for joy. And our times of corporate worship on a Sunday morning should be hallmarked with extravagant praise and much joy. It's not a matter of doing these things to show how spiritual we are or draw attention to ourselves. When we come in here on a Sunday morning, we are addressing an audience of one. We are addressing an audience <laughs> of one. It's God that we're coming to worship. Which brings us to the final point. We have seen why and how we praise, but what motivates this kind of passionate praise? What what fuels this joyful praise? What motivates our singing? Verse 4 says, The Lord takes pleasure in his people. He adorns the humble with salvation. God takes pleasure in us. Therefore, we should take pleasure in him. Don't you find it amazing to think that God takes pleasure in you? Sometimes I take pleasure in myself. You might feel the same. At times. But God takes pleasure. It's amazing to think that. Zephaniah 3, verse 17 says, God says, speaking through the prophet to, to, uh, to Israel, He will exalt, He will rejoice, it means, over you with singing. No, didn't say that. He says, He will rejoice over you with loud singing. Loud singing. Incredible. God, the creator God that our young people have been talking about how affected they are to see how, how great God is. He takes pleasure in you and me and he sings over us loudly because we're his children, because he loves us, because we're sons and daughters bought with the precious blood of his son, 
Jesus Christ. That's why we're special, because we're in Christ, not because of anything in me. It's all because of being in Jesus, being in him, because of the blood of Jesus that was shed for us. The psalmist tells us that God not only takes pleasure in us, but he adorns the humble with salvation, which simply means he beautifies the meek and the humble with salvation. Those that are humble and meek and recognise their own poverty before God and recognise their need of a saviour, he will beautify them. And in his graciousness gives them salvation and adorns them with the beauty of Righteousness. Incredible. Incredible. What more motivation do we need that God is our creator and king? He takes pleasure in us and he adorns us. He's worthy of our utmost praise and adoration. God is glorified with joyful praise. You know, God inhabits the praises of his people. Psalm 22, verse 3 says, this is what David says, you, the Holy One, sits enthroned on the praises of Israel. You, the Holy One, sits enthroned on the praises of Israel. You, the Holy One, sits on the praises of Grace Church. He sits on the praises. Our passionate, zealous, expressive praise brings glory to God. And there is a strong link between rejoicing Joyful praise to glorifying God. The Westminster Shorter Catechism says in answer to the question, what is the chief end of man? It says it's to glorify God and enjoy him forever. I like what John Piper says. He modifies it. He says it's to glorify God by enjoying him forever as opposed to and. We glorify him when we're enjoying him and when we're rejoicing in him. Spurgeon says if our joy be pleasing, let us make it full. Our joy in God and our enjoyment of God is one of the greatest ways that we can bring glory to him. That's what we live for now, isn't it? Whatever you do in life, you're no more accepted at the end than you were on the day that you gave your life to Jesus. You can't earn any more in that sense. But we can live for his glory. John Piper says this, I love this. You've probably heard this loads of times, but... It's great. God is most glorified in you when you are most satisfied in him. When we are most satisfied in him, God is most glorified in us. The way we praise matters for it's connected to glorifying God. Verse 5 says, Let the godly exalt in glory. Let them sing for joy on their beds. Exalting him means rejoicing in him, rejoicing in his Work of salvation. There are no limits to where we praise him. In the assembly of the godly as well as on our bed or in times of rest. God in his kindness gives us in our times, often on a Sunday morning, a foretaste of heaven, doesn't he? Find that sometimes you come in and think, wow, that was good this morning. <laughs> it's nothing to what it's going to be like in heaven. It's nothing, but he gives us a foretaste. A day when with all the redeemed stand around the throne of grace and praise him with uninhibited joy and passion. I want to close with the words of the hymn writer Isaac Watts. I think this will come up. How divinely full of glory and pleasure shall that hour be when all the millions of mankind that have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb of God 
shall meet together and stand around him with every tongue and every heart full of joy and praise. How astonishing will be the glory and the joy of that day when all the saints are joined together in one common song of gratitude and love and of everlasting thankfulness to this Redeemer. With that unknown delight and inexpressible satisfaction shall all that are saved from the ruins of sin and hell address the Lamb that was slain and rejoice in his presence. One day we shall worship him with uninhibited praise, whether we gather around that front, casting our crowds before him, as the song says, lost in wonder, love and praise. Please, let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you this morning that in our own lives we could say our lives are clothed with the righteousness of Christ. We have been reconciled to the Father. We have peace with the Father. And you have given us a joy in our lives. Thank you, Lord, for the joy that we have. Father, may we kindle that joy. May we Feed that joy. May we dwell on you. May we be more and more grateful for what you've done. So there would be the soil. Gratitude would be the soil that will cause joy to grow. Thank you, Lord, that you are our joy. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity we have to sing and declare your greatness. And what you've done for each and every one of us. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this psalm that feeds our soul. Lord, may we, may we dwell on these truths and consider how we praise you. Do we praise you with joy? Or do we just come with formality and tradition? Lord, let it be said of us that we are joyful, grateful, God-glorifying people. Lord, we ask all this the precious name of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.